It's not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes, just a little inspiration can make the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. We were discouraged with all the negativity in the world and decided to focus on finding some good out there. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast with me, Teresa. And me, Amy. We're two ordinary moms looking for inspiration wherever we can find it. I know. I can't believe Lucy graduated. I know. I mean, it's just... This time of year just always flies It flies by, by and it's just so... It's emotional. It's bittersweet. It's bittersweet. You're excited for them, but at the same time... My sister kept saying that we're bookend. Oh. It's, you know. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but I was so glad she was here, too, yeah. to have family with us. So that and was our cool. weather, I wish it would. Oh, I know so other wet. areas of the country are having heat waves, and we're still. She was 104 when she touched down at oh 6 today. She's like, it's so hot in Dallas. So. Yeah. Here, I feel like I'm growing webbed. Yeah. Webbing in between my fingers are... and toes. And it's so cool we had that gal, Trish, reach yes. out to us and and her daughter enjoy us while they are in their car, which I love that. I yes. My Family car time. Is, has always been my sanctuary with the kids. Yeah, you know? I, I just love, first off, that she reached out to us. For That's, sure. I really appreciate that, that we know that somebody besides you and I are right. listening. And Cece. And, yeah, <laughs> and our mother-in-laws. Yeah. Um, yeah, so thank you, Trish, for reaching out. That was awesome. This is episode 85, and we're talking about Bob Goff's new book, Undistracted. Which I loved. Me too. And, and it's so funny because I pre-ordered that book. I think I <laughs> yes. told you that. And I had done it way back when. Sat on my shelf for a few months. So talk about really being yeah. distracted. Um, <laughs> well, then you got the book from your sister. Flew through it. And then we both thought it would be fun to do it together for the podcast. In episode 14, we talked about Bob's wife. Uh, fondly known as Sweet Maria, mm-hmm. Bob and Maria Goff, you know, they love Jesus and people, and they definitely walk the talk. Um, I love following her on Instagram. She has, oh, I mean, I she doesn't post a ton, but I should do the that. stuff that she has, usually about conferences or, yeah. um, and I also like to see the other things that she likes. Oh, okay. So that That's I fun. can like them You too. can like them too, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. not with a like, but. Right, we don't want to be, check them. we don't want to yeah. be stalkers, yeah. but we'll get to that later. But check it out. Yeah. Yeah. I had read Bob's book, Love Does, a few years ago mm-hmm. and fell in love with his passion to love people. Mm-hmm. You know, and that book cover says it all with the bright balloons. It totally describes how he approaches life uh, full of whimsy, passion, and love. And that he gave all those, the, not all the profits from the book to the organization Love Does, which changes the lives of children around the world and helps in places like Uganda, Nepal, India, Iraq, Somalia, uh, Afghanistan, Congo. I mean, I mean, it's a huge yeah, list. And then he wrote Everybody or Everybody Always, another fantastic book. His books describe different stories, being in the moment, all very personal, like growing up, finding love of Jesus, meeting Sweet Maria, and they're fun stories about his they're family. Funny. He puts a he puts a humorous spin on them. Yeah. So they're very relatable. Is right. There's an yeah. yeah. And then another major focus uh, in his books are the legal and philanthropic work he does for children who don't have a voice and through his organization fights for their rights. Um, his backstory is a professor at Pepperdine and Point Loma, 
in San Diego. He splits his time between, used to, I don't not anymore, teaching and working in countries like Uganda, literally saving lives. Mm-hmm. His new book, Undistracted, doesn't disappoint, and it's definitely an exercise for the heart. He really dives into how we live distracted lives and how that impacts our friends, families, and relationship with Jesus. He illustrates how distraction can lead us to dangerous situations. And he gives that example at the beginning of the book about um, they're building a hospital near near Kurdistan, near the Iran border. And um, the group was hiking around and found themselves in a minefield. And I thought that was just kind of, wow. Scary. Scary. And he admits at the time he didn't even feel like he was in danger. And and he kind of relays that how our lives can sometimes feel that way too. He yeah. talked about the story of the minnows on the right. pond out there, where right. they're it's cute when they're all up on top, but something is lurking underneath. Yeah, to push, is, is, to yeah, push exactly. them up, so you don't know what's under there. You don't. He asked the question: Are you willing to do what it takes to uncover the wonder that is that identify what is distracting you from better things? And I just say it kind of made me uneasy. And I guess that's a good thing. But truth be told, I think that is totally why I sat on the book. Because I knew if I read his book, I'm going to do some soul searching. And I'm going to ask myself some tough questions. Bob talks about how it is especially important right now to address this question. Given the state of the Mm -hmm. world, there's a lot of sadness and stress. And he said, as he puts it, there's a lot of, you know, uptight and feisty people. Yeah. And then, I don't know about you, but the uh, chapter two, when he talks about his heart trouble as a result of malaria and his heart wasn't functioning properly, so they had to stop his heart and restart it. It kind of made me uncomfortable. Obviously, he survived. And after the procedure, the doctor told him the best thing he could do for his heart was not to stress <laughs> out, which I think that's really hard. I mean, yeah. oh, yeah. But Bob suggests we do the same thing, even if it's a bit of a shock. That it's sometimes hard to do, especially depending on your personality. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's super hard. I'm a, I'm kind of wired that mm-hmm. way. Uh, but it's a good goal. And stress is definitely distracting. I find it interesting that he puts his phone number in the back. We've talked about mm-hmm. this on the back of all his books. He wants to be the guy who is available, <laughs> in quotes, you know. And that stresses me yeah. out. I mean, I guess he spends a lot of time on the phone and Bob says these daily phone calls are a great reminder of who he wants to be. And I love how... I'm sure there's a book in the future of just his just phone his calls. calls. Yeah. And I love how the, he doesn't view them. I would view them as interruptions. Mm-hmm. But instead, they are reminders. He says that they may not be, you know, everyone's calling. And that's for sure. Right. He suggests also to take notes. Like that was another suggestion in the book about taking notes, which is definitely not my strong suit. I should be because I... I reflect now, I was thinking about on our podcast, how I don't take notes and then I leave things out and then I'll be walking a couple days later and I'm like, oh, I wanted to make that point and I didn't. And then I'm like slapping my forehead, but I know, but notes slow us down. It slows us down. You think that it's so important in the moment moment. that you're like, I'll never forget this, but then sure enough, you do. You do. And then I love that example of um, George Lucas when he was... Of course, I did, too. Score, yeah. I know. You, you were probably like, eh, scoring American graffiti while writing the script for Star Wars. I mean, talk about multitasking on the next level and so uber creative. I guess back then, the industry would locate a scene. They'd reference the role of the film. It was on. And then the dialogue number within the role of a film. I found that kind of complicated. Mm-hmm. So someone would ask George Lucas about a scene in a role of a film. And he'd say, role two, dialogue two. Then he wrote next to it in his notes, R2-D2. So he's creating that the beloved droid all while doing 
American, American graffiti, graffiti, which is just... Both were huge movies for right. him. Right. Yeah. And he points out that... George's note-taking became an interesting way of kind of harnessing that creativity. I think that's interesting because the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, she always has her little notebook, too. Wow. And she's walking around with that notebook. I, I You're doing to bring, that, too. You're I doing it, too, yeah. but I don't bring it everywhere. And so, yeah, know, I'm trying to be better with that. Yeah, it's it's hard. Um, and then I love how he referred, you know, to the Bible, to Paul's letters from the book of Corinthians. And what I think is a fabulous idea. He says he wants to be the kind of person who holds on to wisdom he has collected while returning to that childlike faith. And he kind of encourages that for us, too, to find our way back to more innocent, engaged, and less distracted versions of ourselves. One thing he points out um, that holds us back from achieving it is our insecurity, which I can relate to that for sure. I think uh, a lot of us A lot can, of us yeah. can. He talks about it as a, you know, from he was visiting a young inmate and the power went out and talk about a scary situation. I, I admire yeah. how he regularly visits inmates and offers them, you know, grace and acceptance. I mean, again, he's walking the talk. After this situation, uh, he reflected on the role of insecurity in our lives and how we construct walls, you know, mm-hmm. kind of bulletproof to glass protect to protect yeah. ourselves. And the desire um, to not seem weak or vulnerable takes a lot of energy and how distracting that can be mm-hmm. instead of maybe just saying how you're feeling. But Bob writes, come home to yourself, get reacquainted with your true self, give yourself a pep talk <laughs> about how it's okay to be exactly how you are. And I I don't know, that really, I love reading yeah. that. And don't let life put a prison cell of fake and faulty expecta- expectations uh, if we make that shift, Bob says nothing feels quite as good as tossing off the toxic expectations, distractions of unhealthy peers, workmates, family, and the world around you as you settle into the joy of simply being you. And focusing on what's important. What's important, yeah. you know. And that's all, yeah, yeah, exactly. He also talks about the cynics and how distracting they are and emphasizes not to take their bait, points out how they can even be in our faith communities mm-hmm. where you expect to find abundance of love mm-hmm. and acceptance instead sometimes there are people who gossip and try to control other people's behavior they disagree with and i love that visual he uses with the bony fingers mm-hmm. judging there's something about that i just but i love that he's truthful about that yeah that he puts because it out people there people don't want to admit that but yeah it happens it and does it turns people off and i love that he's calling it out and yeah he writes, you find you found the right faith community when all they talk about is Jesus. And I just... Truth. I, yeah. Truth. Bob stresses uh, the happiness of pursuit, how our complicated decision trees... And I thought this was fascinating in the book. I was shocked to read that as adults, we make 35,000 decisions a day. Yeah. We're, just, I, I'm when sure I it's all that, I wanted us, to keep it telling. Yeah. yeah. And what we're kids... And what time to get up. But yeah. Yeah. Kids, so. it's less than 10% of that which is crazy, but he gave the example how kids can focus on building Legos. So maybe eliminating some decisions, we can find that joy again. I We bought Lucy the um, Lego set with the Starry Night. Cause she, oh, yeah, And she I spent three that. hours on that. Oh, my gosh. Um, yesterday. Yeah. So, yeah. It's going to take her a it's long take her a, it's time. It's big. Yeah. It's I very big. I can't uh, wait to see when I it's know. done. It's, yeah, it's going to be cool. Along with our distracting decision-making our busyness also hijacks our joy too, and I, I'm. This is where I really fall prey to. Like I'll be cleaning, organizing, wiping counters down. While <laughs> the one that I love, my 
daughter or son or husband is talking to me and I'm like, you know. Uh-huh, uh-huh, and, uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> and then he's, he's like, you're not, you're not fully engaged. You're no. not seeing their body language or their emotions. No. Um, he suggests. That's a hard one, though, because stuff needs to get done. Right. And we need to pay attention. So it's finding that balance. Yes. Yeah. When they I, come I and talk, Bob, but yeah, he, he is isn't, hard. he isn't, you know, cooking and cleaning and, and doing everything for a family. So I really respect and admire this, but at the same time, he's, he's not in the same season. So right. We're busy. I'm going to take that with a grain of salt. Yeah. We're still busy. I like the idea though. And he's talked about this in other books about tossing a ball back and forth mm-hmm. with another person just yeah. to stay engaged. Cause you're otherwise the ball's going to hit you in the face yeah. maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you can't look at your cell yeah. phone and talk, you know, right. if you're tossing the ball, he urges. I that- loved that part in Top Gun. Oh yeah. Where they're, they're at the, you know, the bar. Oh yeah. And if you disrespect a lady, yeah. if you disrespect yeah. the Navy, or if you have your cell phone on the counter. Right. You have to buy everyone a drink. That so I thought funny. that was yeah. a good way to remind people to get off your phone right. and engage in conversation. And I have to say, I forgot my phone today over here. And I was feeling distracted oh. that I don't have my phone, but it's all okay. Yeah. Um, you made it. I made it. It's all good. My text to you will still be there when okay. you Okay. And you probably think she didn't even <laughs> answer, but Okay. And he urges us and we to engage with our family, stating we don't know how much time we have and don't fill our days with trivial stuff. He points out that it's easier to fall into the trap of, oh, I'll be happy when. Right. And I do that yeah. sometimes. Everyone like, does When that. I get through yeah. this period yeah. and da-da-da-da. It, you know, may feel safe. It's not living fully present. Instead, start by asking for God's help to look for joy and pursue it. He, he talks about if you make this choice to choose happiness and joy, then kindness and empathy and engagement are just the natural outcomes. So if joy is going, to, going on the inside of each, each of us, everyone will know by our outward actions of kindness. And I love that. And I, and I do too because I, I like that he talks about he's not just saying being nice all the time and not to confuse it with fake intentions because I think that's a good point I mean you want it to be from the heart right. and authentic right but People I was can tell when it's not when they it's can not tell when you're giving them a compliment and it's not it's not sincere I, I was surprised to read that Bob has a family member who is difficult and he hasn't talked to for 35 years and I have to say I was so relieved <laughs> and felt better after reading that because you know You've heard about the situation, my neighbor, who won't acknowledge my presence at all. Which is hard. It's super hard. That's what it is. It hurts. And I know we'd had this mom and I had had some mama bear moments over the years. and But we were talking a bit, an occasional hi and hello during COVID. Mm -hmm. My youngest was playing with her daughter. My my daughter was sixth grade at the time. And her daughter was in high school. And then all of a sudden, my daughter just felt kind of weird that she was older and she kind of just broke the friendship off. And I don't think she probably used the best words. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. She's in sixth grade. She's in sixth so grade. Yeah. But then after that, I mean, the mom or dad does not wave or even say hi. And we didn't even exchange the words of any sort. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all that being said, I've read Bob's books. And I had secretly dreamed about these Hollywood endings he talks about. Like with my neighbor, like, should I put a bouquet of balloons on their doorstep or a note or a white cloth to signal a truce? No. But then, you know, I realized maybe it's okay if I if we don't acknowledge each other. you've tried. I've it's not tried. that you haven't done stuff. We haven't. So, I, yeah. yeah. But I do think, it, you know, pleasantries in life mm-hmm. go a long way. But, yeah, sorry for that 
tangent, but no, it kind of hit my it's about. it hit my heart, and I no, I love but that. I think it's also now it's like, and we've talked about it's like letting go of it, yeah. you know. You've but done what you need to, to do, do to make your heart right, and then you just need to move on, move on. Bob really challenges us to look at distractions like our cell phones. He, I like how he talks. It's like we're cheating on our family. And your loved ones. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, for sure. I totally, totally agree. He strongly uh, suggests we give up the habit of constantly checking them and the idea of putting a fun ringtone as a reminder. Oh, my gosh. When he said, do cats in the cradle. I know. That would make me bald. Oh, me too. I have. Awful. My my alarm is um, Adele, Adele's hello. My kids always laugh. <laughs> And then I don't know why, but my ringtone for my voicemail is this weird song that Ellie put on a couple years ago about, like, it's kind of like, I want you song. And I'll never forget her teacher called and that song <laughs> comes on and I'm like, I got to call you back. I can't get this off, but this oh, is playing. I'm like, funny. oh God. So you got to be careful on what you choose. But, and then I thought that was cool. The idea he said about the paper plate and sectioning off. I was kind of scared to do that. I was too. I didn't do it. I'm going to be honest. I didn't do that exercise. I was... But it's it's a, it's probably a good way to visualize right. yeah. really where you're distracted. But that's all part of his of Bob's whimsy. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but the part of failure and the, people are talking about failure mm-hmm. a lot. Like J Lo has her big thing on failure mm-hmm. that she's talking about mm-hmm. her new thing that's coming out. It's maybe Netflix, but it's going to be part of that Tribeca festival. And she I've talks, heard of yeah, of and she talks about failure. And people. then your then your Marley Mack talks about that failure oh, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but. You know, failure doesn't define us. And he states, you know, finding your life's purpose will entail failure for sure and pushbacks, you know, and can can even leave big and ugly scars. And they can be quite painful. You know, I feel like I've made a lot of little failures in, with my Who family. Hasn't? But yeah. I, I feel like I'm too afraid. Like I have, mm-hmm. sometimes I've lived my life not taking Too careful. Too careful. Yeah. And so I see it from a kind of a different yeah. point of view, but he points out that our failures can lead us to something more beautiful that God has prepared for us. And the next part is accepting that God has given us this all-access pass. I thought that was kind of cool. He relates it to seeing Carrie Underwood because he knew the guitarist and was given this all-access pass. And it's kind of a funny story. Mm-hmm. When he showed up at the arena, he didn't realize he could he go anywhere. Yeah. And he started, you know, and then thinking about how you could, you know, pursuing this sort of bold life in your in your own you know own pursuits i mean i find it kind of intimidating yeah, absolutely and then he gave that example and i thought it was really cool to read about vesta stude i didn't know about her the yeah, neither us and we yeah. need we maybe one of us needs to do her oh, yeah. for the podcast absolutely. but vesta worked during world war ii in an ammunition factory in illinois she realized a major flaw of the, the ammunition box that was sealed with a paper pull tab and the paper pull tab would get wet and ruin the ammo. So Vesta took the problem to heart because she had two sons in the military. She created the idea for fabric tape, duct tape. Mm-hmm. Uh, she got shot down. And she that didn't let her stop her. She sent a letter to President Roosevelt. What bold moves. I mean, she didn't ask for permission. And... Well, she knew they needed this. Right. And so she wasn't going to stop. Right. It's awesome. The military still uses duct tape today. And I laugh because we use it on our bumper. Riley hit something, and we use Bondo um, zip ties. Oh, my and, dad uses it for <laughs> and duct tape <laughs> for everything. Uh, uh, yeah, but Bob's just perfect for Father's Day. Oh yeah, you could just do a whole Father's bunch of yeah. you could give just a whole bunch of, and they come in such fun colors now. I, that's I need to add that to my gift for my dad because that's kind of funny. Uh, Bob says to stop waiting for someone to give you permission to pursue your ideas. Go yeah. fully. And be blessed of all heaven can't wait to see what you'll do 
each day. And I, I think, wow, what words to live by. Bob describes forming that form of drifting that is less about our decisions, but more about our relationships and our faith. And how he talks about we fail to realize that Jesus is in the room with us and we live much of our lives unaware of this. And I, it's funny because I heard a pastor in our old church and he gave this during a sermon. He was saying, just think of Jesus right next to you wherever you go. And the kids were little and I was joking, oh, he's right here <laughs> in the minivan and then we're in Target. But I think it's so hard. That's the hard thing about faith. Uh, in the Bible, faith is described as confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we don't mm-hmm. see. And I think that's the hard thing, you know. Very. Um, Especially when you have a lot of religious people right now right setting such poor examples so you have this new population you know these young people growing up and i don't know it's just it's heartbreaking for me because yeah and then i was also fascinated about the calculations did that part of the book of how the average person lives twenty-seven thousand three hundred seventy-five days i'm at nineteen thousand seven hundred ten uh, days so i mean i'm really i don't think i want to i'm clicking that. on up there but so calculating how much time you have left helps you kind of see how precious time yeah. is and puts it in perspective. I loved that. It all, I mean, it also was a little bit like... It's a little alarming yeah, for me because I realize I'm a little closer. I mean, you know. But at the but same time, it puts, you know, it time puts in perspective. Yeah, it gives it a little bit of... Like heat. Like push. I got to yeah, do something. Exactly. And Bob stresses finding Jesus wherever you are and using him as your starting and ending points. Focus on spending undistracted time with him. It could be in the morning to reflect, reading the Bible or whatever works. Or he talks about washing sweet maria's car she is one lucky lady she is and this isn't time that you should be spent and you should feel guilty or if you don't you know it can be anywhere on the i love that on the ferris wheel skateboard or he does it at that you know in disneyland in disneyland when he's on tom sawyer's yeah Yeah, tom sawyer's island and i love how part of his daily reflection he sends himself an email (laughs) And he gets a hundred from this guy named Bob. I thought that was so funny. He goes through them the next morning, revisits the thoughts to see if they're true and square with Jesus. And I love that phrase, the square with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Bob talks about one of the hardest times to exert an unshakable kind of um, undistracted faith is when someone is you love is hurting or in pain. And he talks about his good friend, Bill, who received a cancer diagnosis. Bob flew to join Bill and his wife for some appointments and provide support. And Bob kept thinking about the oil used in the Old Testament, um, where it's put often on someone's forehead as a ceremonial act just before something big is going to happen. And I thought it was hilarious that before he got to MD Anderson, he stops at the Burger King uh, there in Houston and gets some used fry oil. <laughs> That's all I could, all I could find. But the thing, and he wasn't expecting any miraculous no. thing from this, but he just was doing it, you know. Out of love why and not? support. And just yeah. Respect and let's just, you know, why not? Why not? Why not? Yeah. And yeah, I thought it was funny. His friend probably did smell like French fries, but I love how Bob shows up for his yeah. friends and, and with a sense of humor. With a sense of humor, I mean, you need that in life. Lighten the situation for his friend. Which yeah, I love. for sure. You know, Bill says you know a diagnosis like that can bring one's life into laser focus, and reiterates that we have a mortality date. Mm-hmm. He stated that bold faith works when we are real with ourselves and our faith. And I'm just highlighting a few because you've got 
you're going to chat about the mm-hmm. second half of the book. So there's so much more. Yeah. Good stuff. And I started the first half of the book taking notes. And then I was like, oh, no, yeah. I'll remember all of this. And then when you said I could have the second half of the book, I was like, hey, I only took notes on the first half. So that's okay. It was kind of funny, though. My son, you know, spotted my undistracted book next to the bed one day. Yeah. And he said it was not a book he thought I would read. Oh. I was a wee bit offended. Why? You know that I love yeah, Bob Goff. Yeah, for sure. But truthfully, he was right. I get distracted rather easily, which is why the book is so perfect for me. As challenging as yeah. we noted that it might be. I need to work on being less distracted, even if my family thinks I'm a lost cause. <laughs> <laughs> but part of why I love Bob Goff is just his message of love. Yeah. He doesn't waste time or energy in pointless discussions. Instead, he focuses on how he can spread that love. Right. For instance, his book, the one that made me fall in love with him, Love Does, that you talked about, and how they helped build schools and safe houses in Somalia, Iraq, Uganda, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Afghanistan, and a few other countries where longstanding civil wars have prevented children from things most of us take for granted. Right. And I love that he does this, yes, because he's a Christian, but he's not... They. They can go there regardless. Oh, sure. So he's yeah. just spreading his faith, but he's not making them, you know, he's not forcing anything. Right. He's, he's living his life the way he should and yeah. just setting an example. His book, Love Does, was originally just a dream. I loved reading yeah. that. That he wanted to share. He wanted to write down With some his of kids. his, yeah, some That's of his so fun. zany, totally zany, I think, <laughs> life experiences to share with his kids. So between Bob and his friends contributing their time and talent, it made the book a read worthy of a slot on the New York Times bestseller wow, yeah. list. So, and he talked about, you know, just being available. Yeah. That was the whole point of this chapter. All the proceeds, as you pointed out from that project, went to build those places for kids. He wasn't bringing it up to brag, but he right. was pointing out that it all happened because people made themselves available for him. And together, they were able to donate nearly 100 buildings. Right, right. And I love as a reader, you feel like, oh, well, you might be did yes, participate. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Goff makes himself available, as you said, to his yeah. readers. All of his books have <laughs> a cell phone number in the back. And how many people do that? I know. I love that he talked about back when he was in college, he wrote a fan letter to Keith Green, and a few days later, he got a handwritten letter back in the mail. That's amazing. It I is. Mean, I don't know if you would get that response today. Well, you probably would get a, re- I mean, you might get a response, but. Yeah. But it would likely be from an assistant or someone who right. worked for, you know, the celebrity. It most likely would not be handwritten from the celebrity yeah. themselves. Yeah, I think that's so cool. He said it only had three sentences. <laughs> Oh, but it had three sentences from Keith Green, who he admired. Yeah. He didn't remember what it said, but the mere gesture stayed with him. And it reminded me of Maya Angelou saying that people might not remember your words, but they'll remember how you made them feel. And Amy talked about that woman who could do it all. Yeah. In episode 75. She's amazing. Absolutely. So for Goff, he noted that three... You know, three simple sentences can yeah. change the trajectory of someone's life. Totally did for him. At the same time, it was a demonstration of love, acceptance, and connection, yeah. which I loved that. His reminder with that story was that when we make ourselves available to others, which might mean sharing our time, sharing our phone number in the back right, of the book, right. um, our talents or our treasures, it's also possibly changing a life. Yeah. So I remember talking about that girl who was leaving things about you're worth it. And and that lady was, you know, commented that I was wanting to take my own life. And when I read that, I knew that, I, you know. Yeah. So simple you just don't stuff. Know. You don't know. Right. 
my heart broke when you shared the story of mm, Aboma yeah. in Uganda who had witnessed his parents being dragged out by the rebels with the Lord's Resistance Army. Yeah. And burned in front of him. Oh my, I just can't. I know. I, we can't even comprehend that. Abomo's parents, or his relatives, couldn't afford to help him. And thank goodness Goff was available to hear his story and take him in. Abomo struggled at first. I mean, the poor guy was scared. Right. Yeah. Traumatized and hopeless. Yeah. I, I just can't even imagine. He felt like he didn't fit in in his new school. But he slowly started to apply himself more, both in academics as well as in leadership roles. When Goff presented Obomo with his valedictorian oh, yeah. medal, I know that was he, I pretty cool. So yeah, Obomo was absolutely beaming, and it was an Aww. example of what love can do. Right? I mean, he changed his life. Yeah. Now he's working his way through law school, all because Goff said, "You're in," and welcomed him in with a big bear hug. Oh, I know. I love that. Yeah. He writes that availability reminds us of our purpose and leads others to their purposes as well. Availability spawns opportunity. Opportunity inspires more availability. And the cycle carries on. Those ripples can yeah. really travel. And I just, right. I, I love that. I was a little relieved to read that even <laughs> Bob Goff sometimes has to work on choosing his words know, carefully. That was kind of surprising I to me. I loved it, though. I know, because it's just, yeah. We can relate. Right. He challenged us to question if our words invite pain or joy. Yeah. Do they invoke grace, love, and acceptance, or display disapproval, condemnation, or vitriol? Bob wanted to put some skin in the game with his own words and decided to charge himself that was so, yeah. $500 for every word of criticism he uttered to yeah. others. He picked the amount because it was close to the price of a ticket to Maui from his San Diego home. Yeah. So every time he was tempted to speak negatively, he'd question if it was worth a ticket to Maui, which most often, you know, obviously right. wasn't. Right. There was a time that question didn't stop him. He had been in a speaking engagement and couldn't wait to get home to his sweet Maria oh, yeah. when a group of men kept blocking his path and questioning Bob's message. I know. That and was, he said yeah. no one was there, you know, to say cease fire, just keep going, Bob, right. you know, don't engage. But yeah. wisely, he didn't think it was worth it to engage, but these men, you know, were not... Persistent. Yeah, they were very persistent. They were not only disapproving of his message, but... They didn't approve of the people he was reaching out to, yeah. implying they were sinners and not in the same way worthy right. of the same kind of love that these particular men were worthy of. He kept trying to walk past them, and finally, after the fifth time of them blocking his exit path, he gave them words, which resulted in a hefty yeah. charge. Yeah. But he reminded those guys... That God doesn't love this group, but not that group. He right. loves everyone and wants everyone to have a relationship with him, regardless of their conduct or lifestyle. I know that he saw this as a weakness after the fact. I felt like he made the right choice, though. But for Bob, he felt like he had picked yeah. to be right instead of living like Jesus and moving on. And he's probably right. Yeah. You know, Jesus probably would have moved on and not worried about what they said. But yeah. I still say it was, <laughs> was a good decision. And this is why Bob is worthy of writing books, and I'm not. I know, yeah. He wasn't going to change their opinions with anything he said, and he knew that. Yeah. But he spoke his heart. Yeah, exactly. Those words, while they were spot on, were just wasted energy with those guys. So he was right. Another point that resonated with me was his reminder that we all screw up, and you talked about that with the failures. Failures, an event, not an identity. Right. And I did make a note of that. I remember hearing this story from an Uber driver when we were in Oahu right after it happened. 
there was a gentleman who made an epic mistake, and I rarely use that word, so yeah. it really was a big one. Yeah. There are 11 military bases among the Hawaiian Islands representing all four branches of the United States military. And one day, this guy walks into the Hawaiian Emergency Management Agency, just like every other workday, was during a training exercise to check the early morning systems for incoming international ballistic missiles. He got distracted right, and pushed the wrong button. So that little button alerted all of Hawaii and the world that Hawaii was under attack Announcing on everyone's cell phone. I remember and, that. Do yeah, you see? I, Ryan doesn't remember that, but I do. Well, and maybe I remember it from this guy telling me the story. So okay. <laughs> but I, I can't remember the story happening. But but it's uh, everyone's cell phone said, yeah. incoming ballistic missile threat. This is not a drill. Yeah. The relief that it was a mistake instantly turned to rage. And the man obviously was fired. Not right. a surprise. What I loved, though, is that Bob sent the guy a letter offering him a job. I, I thought that was, I was fascinated I, by I that. That was, was really awesome. cool. Yes. I know. It's like, wow. And he never said if he took it or not. No. So maybe I should call him. Maybe you should. <laughs> call him and ask him. But I love the grace that he extended yeah. to that guy. Yeah. He talked about turning letdowns into lessons, mm-hmm. another point that stuck with me. After college, Bob wanted to get a job with an organization <laughs> that had impacted his life. It was a group that reaches out to high school kids, and because Bob had been so impacted by the organization, he wanted right. to be part of it officially. This, the book goes, you know, great story, yeah. thing, but long story short, even though he seemed like a perfect asset, I mean, he had gotten these donations, so basically he'd be free labor. Why right. would they turn him down? Yeah. But yet they rejected his application. <laughs> So that's when Bob pivoted and decided to go to law school. And I love the story he tells, too, about applying to a dozen law schools and not getting accepted into a single one. Talk about rejection and disappointment. Yeah. But Bob turned that disappointment into determination and basically talked his way into law school. (laughs) And thank goodness, because he made such an impact around the world with his legal knowledge, determination, and helping kids. For sure. kids. I've heard that Phoebe, the girl that plays Phoebe on Friends, was devastated when she was passed over for a role she really wanted. Oh, yeah. Turns out, in not getting the role for a series that ended up being canceled, it made her available for the show Friends. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, so uh, she did it at some commencement speech. So really, she was talking about, you know, when you fail, another door is going to open and it's probably going to be a better circumstance. Bob reminded us to use our disappointments as opportunities for redirection. Equally important, those disappointments don't make you a victim, but Uh, rather a participant. And don't waste time worrying about the door being closed, but channel that energy finding another door and getting it open. One of my favorite stories in the book, and it's so full of them, is the month that (laughs) Bob stayed in what he called Hermit Hotel. Or Hotel Hermit, I can't remember. But um, I want to know... It was a different time, right. and I most definitely do not encourage anyone to do this because it's scary dangerous. It is super scary. I was kind of scared. I was I scared for him, but yeah. I mean, I knew it worked out, but and it worked out for Bob, but I do not encourage this. He was hitchhiking outside of Bangor, Maine, and he was picked up by a self-proclaimed hermit named Dawn. <laughs> Yeah, it was late. Bob had, you know, kind of lost track of time when he was hitchhiking, which I, I can't know. even imagine. So he's trying to get a ride. Dawn offers him a ride. And then it gets late. He offers him to stay at his place for the night. <laughs> I know. And I've seen way too many forensic files. Yeah. Because going to his shack back in the woods that seems sounds scary. like the worst idea yeah. ever. Right. But Bob not only stayed the night, but he extended <laughs> his I know. stay. I was shocked. 
in that crazy situation, he found a rhythm, you know, with Bob, and mm-hmm. they enjoyed their, t- or excuse me, with Don, and they enjoyed yeah. their time together. This guy lived off the grid. Don lived off the grid yeah. before we even talked about it. Right, right. He bartered for everything. I thought that was cool. It was. I, I can't I mean, imagine. I, I couldn't do that, but. I mean, bartered for everything, but he said toilet paper, and I'm like, this was before 2020 or 2021. Yeah, is, I bet this was in the 1970s <laughs> or so, something. Where Bob and Don would we'd get up, they'd have a little breakfast, then they'd make some copper candlestick holders, they'd yeah. deliver the candlesticks to families in the area, and in return, they were able to pick whatever they wanted from the garden, so they got yeah. eat. <laughs> the barter system. <laughs> just the picture of all of this. Don would make pies, barter them for a used truck tire or a car battery. With his creativity and determination, he figured out ways to get pretty much everything he needed. Bars of soap, lead pencils, and butter. I, I laughed that he yeah. talked about turning sugar into, you know, because these pies, he right. just would turn that into um, Bitcoin. <laughs> when the leaves started to change color, it was time for Bob to check out. Of his hotel hermit. Yeah. When Don gave him a ride back, he reached behind the seat and pulled out a bag to give to Bob. It was a pair of boots. The one thing he had really needed (laughs) at his time there. And it was just so sweet that Don noticed. Mm -hmm. Bob said that he still has those boots today as a reminder of the kindness. And I just love that. There was even a shout out for Oregon. Oh, I know. And Undistracted, which is always fun. Bob's great-grandfather was on his way home from work and was struck by a train. According to the family lore, the townspeople found him. You know, he had passed, and they used a wheelbarrow to get him back to the home. They dropped him on the porch for the family to find the next morning. So that had been, you know, what Bob knew. Almost a century later, Bob was in eastern Oregon for a case. To make a long story short, and once again, he tells these stories so much better. It ended up that he was a distant relative of the criminal (laughs) he was deposing. Maybe it was that guy he hasn't talked to, but no. He decided to ask if he knew where they had buried his great-grandfather so he could go pay his respects. And the guy laughs. He set the record straight. His great-grandfather had run out on his family and left them to fend for themselves in the high desert. Yeah. They made up the story because they were too ashamed of the truth. It was easier to tell people that crazy tale than to deal with the truth. Right. I love Bob's take on pretty much everything. He reminds us to not get distracted with how others might connect with God. He encourages diversity and embraces our uniqueness. Yeah. Someone asked about him watering down the gospel. Well, I thought that was interesting. More accused yeah. him of okay. it. Yeah. Not, yeah. His reply, I thought, was brilliant. Yeah. He said he hopes so. He said he hopes that he is because there are a lot of thirsty people out there. He also reminded us that if we spent more time tending to our fires instead of worrying about others, we might burn a little brighter. And I just love that visual. Less judgment and more love. Right. Or as Maria says, keep your your eyes on your own paper. Uh, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No wonder they're together. Yeah. One day Bob got a call from, it was after a conference. And he answers his phone from a woman who wanted to give him a piece of her mind. She hated his conference because of all the cussing. He asked, you know, what she was referring to because he didn't recall any swearing. Right. And she responded that he had said, oh, my gosh, a couple of times. (laughs) And while she was convicted to not use that sort of language, she was also taking it upon herself to reprimand others with her convictions. And talk about a waste of time. Yeah, there's better things to do. No kidding. His point with that exchange wasn't that we need to change people like that. 
Though he offered to buy her a Slurpee the next time she was in town. I think that was so I funny. I thought that was very cute. But instead reminded us that we're going to be misunderstood and to expect it. Yeah. We can't worry about it, though. Easier said than done, for sure. But it's right. wasted energy. Focus your energy where your heart calls you and consider the source when yeah. you're under attack. And I love that because I'm not good at that. I'll just say I love this book and completely disagree with my son. <laughs> it was perfect for me. I need those reminders to slow down. Right, for sure. Focus on what's important and just do. That's another thing I love. He just loves. Bob said to forget about lists, <laughs> but to just start. Yeah. Well, I know we both are big list makers yeah. and that advice is foreign to us. I get it. And he's right. I need to spend less time with the planning of sharing love and just more action. In order to see where I need to take the action, I need to be less distracted. We miss right. a lot of stuff when we're in that distracted state. And I'm hoping Amy's going to help me with that because accountability always helps. For sure. <laughs> I especially love that he shared a famous lesson from Ann Landers. And I'll just have oh, to trust yeah. him because I don't know much or anything really about Ann Landers. And I have no idea if this is true, but it resonated with me. She said, there are two kinds of people in this world. Those who walk into a room and say, here I am. And those who walk into a room and say, there you are. I think it's obvious which one we want to be. Right. It's just a matter of weeding out the insignificant distractions and making that choice day in and day out. Most people need love and acceptance a lot more than they need advice. Bob Goff. We wanted to talk about Bob Goff because this falls on Father's Day right, or Father's right. Day week. So I found these amazing dads. <laughs> if people just look up on Board Panda, yeah. some awesome, just cute, sweet pictures really of dads. Cute. I've this, got a stack of yeah, hands. Exactly. <laughs> so some of my favorites, this Chinese father carries his disabled son 18 miles to oh. school every day. I love how they show a bunch of pictures of the dad and then yeah. the son is... is and the basket. You know, so sweet. Yeah. There's a single dad, couldn't do his daughter's hair, oh. so he went to beauty school. Oh, my gosh. I love that. This dad got a tattoo so his daughter wouldn't feel bad about her implant in her oh. um, up in her on her scalp. The one dad dressed like Little Red Riding Hood because oh his daughter gosh. wanted to be the wolf, and it's so, so cute. Really cute. Um, a stepfather who turned his six-year-old son's wheelchair into a tank. Oh my gosh! For Halloween, creativity. yes, holy moly, that's love right there. Um, another dad creates educational pancakes for his kids. It had like oh, body parts. It had wow. different insects. There were oh, butterflies. Cool. And, These are yeah. really intricate. Um, exactly. I know. <laughs> People need to look it up on Board Panda. Another the bobtail squid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, another dad creates beeping Easter eggs for his blind daughter oh, to hunt. Wow. Just sweet and creative. There's a dad who has been tattooing his son's drawings on his arm since his son was five. Oh, my gosh. Which is, that's not something I'm going to do, but super sweet. Another set of parents, they tattooed their legs with their daughter's birthmark so she won't feel different. Oh. And then there was a dad who turned their car. It's a cute little, like, it looks like a Honda Civic or something on their black Honda. He turned it into a Batmobile for his son's fifth birthday, and they paraded around town as Batman and Robin, oh which I just love. So, so cute. Yeah, board Panda, and it had a bunch of awesome dads. That's so awesome. Celebrating dads for Father's Day. We're not held back by what we don't have, but by what we don't use. Bob Goff. 
Thanks for listening to Tangential Inspiration. We really want to hear from you. Email us your comments or story suggestions at tangentialinspiration at gmail.com or leave a comment on our website, tangentialinspiration.com. Our website has all our podcast episodes, show notes, stories, follow-ups, and links to websites and books we talk about. Like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, and you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a great week.